This is Pastor to Pastor, a podcast of InnoBTS and Level College. Pastor to Pastor is here to help you lay a biblical foundation for your ministry. Well, welcome back to our Pastor to Pastor podcast. My name is Charlie Ray. I'm uh, back again with Adam Hughes. And uh, Adam, you know, we're approaching the end of the semester here. And one of the things we like to do at the end of the semester is try to respond to some questions that we've had uh, from listeners. So one of the questions that we've gotten is about the issue of church revitalization. And uh, how does the things that we've been talking about related to last semester, what is a pastor, and, and specifically this semester with what is preaching, how does that tie into the issue of church revitalization? So I thought uh, maybe a helpful place for us to start is, uh, why would a church need to be revitalized in the first place? When we talk about church revitalization, what are the issues that we need to be thinking out from a, a big-picture perspective? Well, by the way, Charlie, I think as we start here today, you did kind of glance over that, but don't you feel like we need to just take a breath and give <laughs> a little bit more attention to what you just said? We're approaching the end of the semester. I don't know how many of our listeners are students. But they probably, they might have even paused the podcast right at that moment (laughs) and like screamed in their car or while they're doing their run around campus. And I just want to say to them, it's not just them that are excited about that, but perhaps against popular opinion, we as professors get really excited about the summer as well. So I just wanted to give a little bit more of an ode <laughs> to what you say, or that, say there if we get, as we get started. We are approaching the end of the semester. Yeah, that's really exciting. But uh, as you say, we do like to go into, and you've posed a very, a very good question. I, I think as you say, um, what role does the biblical understanding of a pastor and therefore the function of a pastor, and specifically as we're talking about this semester, pastoral preaching play in revitalization, there's a couple things that initially come to mind. Number one, I I do want to say that you and I aren't experts in the field of evangelism or in revitalization. In other words, what I mean by that, that's not what we teach here. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, I don't know, maybe I'm not the guy to answer this. In some ways, I think I have like really simplistic answers to these questions. It's like, how do you pastor a church? Well, I I teach the Bible. I preach the Bible. How do you how do you plan a church? Well, I, I teach the Bible. I preach. And look, what we're saying is, I understand it's much more complicated than that. But we are trying to bring our perspective into this. Mm-hmm. And so, I think as we do that, Charlie, I think the starting point is when we talk about revitalization. What would lead? What are some things that would lead a church to need to do revitalization? And maybe the question there is even more foundational than that. What we're saying is essentially what is the revitalization issue. Mm -hmm. And when I think of it, Dr. Rice may kill me, uh, Dr. Nix may kill us, but when I think about revitalization, what we're really talking about, it may manifest itself in a lot of ways, but I think what we're pointing to is there's a deficiency in the area of discipleship in some shape, form, or fashion from within the body. Mm -hmm. So that might manifest itself like this, right? It might be there are some practical issues in that we've stopped doing certain things. We've stopped focusing on certain things. There might even be some doctrinal issues. Over time, we slipped away from some tenets of the faith that we didn't even know that we did that has drastically affected the way we do things. We're not emphasizing that in our doctrine anymore, and so our church has just lost its passion. It's kind of like one of the churches, the seven churches in uh, Revelation 2 Mm -hmm. and three, we've lost our first love. So a lot of things could happen there that might be uh, a part of what's leading to the need to revitalize. Those things, even if they're practical or theological issues, those are discipleship issues. And then you think about that. What if we're we're not doing evangelism and we're not growing anymore? 
it, that's fundamentally a discipleship issue, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's just there's a lack of maturity within the body. Again, I'm going to say that's a direct issue. That's a discipleship issue. Yeah. So first of all, when we think about this question, the role of what we've been talking about, pastoral preaching to revitalization, where my mind goes is when we talk about revitalization, what is it that we're talking about? What is the issue, mm-hmm. and how do we get to that? Well, I think to your point, a lot of times we have what maybe we could call the presenting issue, right? It's this, it's the surface issue that, that is the first thing that you notice, right? And that may be apathy, and people just don't care anymore. It may be um, they're, they're – I mean, I even think of Mark 7 where Jesus quotes from uh, Isaiah, you know, you're teaching, um, you know, the, the commandments of men and, instead of, instead of <laughs> the commands of God, right? <clears throat> And so I think to your point is a lot of times we look at these surface level issues and we think that's the problem. And it is a problem, right? But I think the argument that we're making here is that there are discipleship issues that underlie all of these problems. So one of the other issues in dealing with a podcast and trying to answer these questions is we're not able to contextualize our answers for every situation, right? So we have to sort of speak at the big picture level. Generalities. Right. So generally speaking with church revitalization, I think we're trying to make the argument, if you go into a church that needs revitalization, think discipleship, right? Consider the presenting issues, but think about the discipleship issues underneath And that doesn't mean, mean, again, just to give uh, credence to this, like you're saying, it doesn't mean you won't have to address some of those surface issues, but never forget like you said, when we're dealing with this, I mean, we go back to the mission that Jesus has given us, make disciples. And my argument is if we have a, if we have a church that needs to be revitalized, then somewhere, some shape, form, or fashion, that commission or mission that Jesus has given, there's a deficiency with that yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And go ahead. I'm, you were well, going to say something. So I, yeah, maybe I, we don't want to go too far down this road. But again, even sometimes the presenting problem, so just take the numbers issue, right? <clears throat> this is where we have to be a little bit careful about how we define success. So we may look at a church, you know, the stereotypical statement, even back to when I was, you know, getting my master's was, you know, 80% of churches are plateaued and declining, things like that, right? So the presenting issue is the numbers, but this is the reality. Is there a discipleship issue underneath Correct. There? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Technically, maybe, maybe not. Right? So, so if you think you're going – maybe we can even back up further. If you've gone into a church that you think because of surface issues mm-hmm. is, is a church in need of revitalization, maybe you're saying the first thing we need to do is we need to dig a little bit deeper to see if, in fact, that is the case when we get down deep. But if we get down deep and it does need revitalization, you and I are both arguing in some shape, form, or fashion, it is going to relate to the discipleship yeah, issue. Yeah. Well, because you might look at a church that went from 200 to 150 uh, just before you came on as pastor there. They might have sent 50 folks out to plant another church across town. Correct. Or <laughs> they might have had some legitimate heretic in the church. Right. Who they rightly excommunicated and 50 people followed him. And, and you actually look at their – the presenting issue is actually a sign of health. Right. <laughs> Not a sign of – In either of, of those situations, it correct, would be a sign correct, of health. Correct, correct, correct. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. But what we're saying is we think when someone asks us that – the relationship of pastoral preaching to church revitalization, what we're saying is think discipleship issue. And so I think what we're saying here, and again, I, I just I, I walk this balance of I don't want to seem like I'm overly simplifying everything. Well, mm-hmm. yes, the preaching professor that just keeps saying biblical preaching. <laughs> but, but what we are saying here, I think, Charlie, is uh, the, the essence of the question we've been asked, how does this relate to church revitalization? What we're saying is the the question as, as it's, at its foundation is, how does 
what we're saying is preaching relate to discipleship. Right, right. So I think we would say there, firstly, one of the things we might say is view your preaching as a discipleship ministry. So a lot of implications here, and I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this. But again, this goes back to our definitional level of what is preaching, where we have been trying to make the argument that preaching to the church is not primarily evangelistic, but it actually is primarily a discipleship ministry of the church. It is a teaching uh, of the church. So I think that's one of the first points that I would say if you're thinking about how do I revitalize a church, now we're backing into, okay, that will mean that means I need to disciple the church. Now we're back to the point of, okay, now I need to view my preaching or pastoral preaching or teaching ministry. We, we keep bouncing around all these different terms, right? I need to view that as one of the ways that I disciple the church. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think as I think about that, um, I want to be very careful with this. I, I don't think the pastor is the only disciple maker or right. discipler of the body. You've got different groups. Like, for instance, I'm a big proponent of saying who is by God's design supposed to be the primary discipler of children, right? parents. Right. And so I'm not saying that the pastor should usurp that, but I, I do think holistically one of the roles that I think a pastor plays or the lead pastor or senior pastor or whatever you want to call that is he is to, in an overall way, to be responsible for the discipleship of the church. His ministry is essentially a discipleship ministry. I, I almost want to say I think Overall, holistically, he's to be the the primary discipler of the whole body. Mm -hmm. And so the question becomes, when does that happen? When does he disciple the whole body? So we've talked about this before, but I think it does relate. If we see Sunday morning as the primarily evangelistic outreach wing of your church, then my question becomes, then when does the pastor, the senior pastor, have the ability to stand before the, the sheep, his people, and fulfill that role as the primary disciple maker? And then you would say, well, that happens in our Sunday school. And you said this before, well, then your Sunday school teachers are actually fulfilling the role of senior pastor. So I think in the model that we're talking about, I don't mean to get off track, but the model we're talking about, I do understand what I'm doing on Sunday morning in my mind as the senior pastor is I need to think a major, if not the, the overall thrust of what I'm doing is I'm fulfilling my role. What I'm doing when I stand in the pulpit is I'm fulfilling my God-given role of being the primary discipler of these people. That's what I'm trying to do. And I do think in some very practical ways, Charlie, that begins to shape how we think about preaching, yeah. what we do with our preaching, the focus of our preaching, the thrust of our preaching. There's another thought. I mean, you might have something, but I have, I have one more thought about this as well. Would you like to interject before I kind of give another thought to this as well? No, you go ahead. The other thing is, I think I said this on another podcast when we were talking about application, and it does relate to then when you're preaching on Sunday morning, who are you primarily thinking that you're applying that to? But it was Jim Shaddix in a, in a chapter, I think it was in the, the book Progress in the Pulpit, and I may be misattributing that to a chapter, but he was talking about that basically, whether, whether we realize it or not, when people become a part of their church, our church, their entrance into the discipleship process, whatever you think that is, in some shape, form, or fashion is going to come through the large group gathering, the corporate mm -hmm. worship gathering on Sunday morning. There's right. no way for it to not. The, I'm going to say, I'm not saying that's the be-all, end-all of discipleship in the church, but what I am going to argue is that people are not going to be in the discipleship process in your church 
without them coming through the Sunday morning gathering. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to think about your preaching that way. I have a tendency to also say, I've heard people say before that if you're pastoring your church, your people's commitment to evangelism won't go beyond yours Mm -hmm. as a pastor. But wouldn't you also say to some extent it's going to be harder for your discipleship ministry and effectiveness in your church to go beyond your effectiveness as a discipler in your pulpit mm. on Sunday mornings as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true yeah. because of all of these things that we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's press in on this a little further, lest anybody accuse us of the preaching guy who I'm sure encourages seminary students to get an MDiv with a specialization in, in expository preaching. So let, let, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, but but let's let's flesh out some of the implications here uh, because what we what we are not just saying is. Just preach through books of the Bible and everything's going to be okay. This is where I think we have to keep going back to our definition of preaching is that we are preaching to a specific group of people. We are, as a pastor, when you stand up to teach or to preach, whatever whatever terms we want to use there, you are, are doing that for a certain group over whom you have been given responsibility as their shepherd. So some implications there are not just hey, do expository preaching as much as we do want to argue for that. One of the other things that I would say is at this point, this is where you need to get into application, right? Where you need to think, how do I take this passage of Scripture and bring it to bear on these people, right? That's where it really begins to become discipleship. Yes, the teaching them the truths of God's Word is discipleship, but also part of discipleship is bringing it to bear specifically on their lives. And so I think it's just a reminder to say, preach to that church. And when you're dealing with revitalization issues, make applications to things that the church is going through. Uh, Preach as a leader of that church. This is a little bit dicey because there's a chance if you come in to a revitalization process, they may not actually view you as a leader, right? I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, maybe podcast for another day. But I think it is to say when we view our preaching ministry as a discipleship ministry, we understand that it's more than just teaching them the content of the Bible as much as we want to do that. It's also bringing that content to bear on their lives in specific ways uh, so that you're discipling them in, in specific directions. I think that's exactly right. So this goes back, so maybe even a little bit further back than just what is pastoral preaching, but it goes back to what is a pastor. And one of the things we did talk about last semester was getting to know your sheep. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're meaning that on an individual level, but we're also meaning that on a corporate level. I don't think anyone is saying this, but is it possible to revitalize a church? Is it possible to deal with the discipleship issue in the church through expository preaching, preaching, if you literally are just the guy that shows up and preaches Mm -hmm. on Sunday morning? And I think you you and I both say, I hope no one's heard us say, definitively no. We say you do have to know your sheep, and you know your sheep by... Walking among your sheep, walking amongst the sheep as their shepherd, walking amongst the sheep slowly. And part of that does, uh, yeah, the individual, but also the church. What's the history of this church? Where have they been in the past? Where have they been uh, recently? What's really the issue? What's really going on? And you and I, here's the great thing. The reason I still think there is an argument for expository preaching here is because 
how much of the Bible was just written in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – the Bible – I'm thinking about – let's talk about the New Testament for a moment. Again, not saying the Old Testament. <laughs> Dr. England, please don't come into my office and say, why do you always talk about the New Testament? Uh, but just talk about the New Testament for a moment. Like, right, When Paul writes something, he is writing to a group of people that have issues. Mm-hmm. Can we say it this way? Even maybe some very young churches that need revitalization. If, if by our definition we're talking about our discipleship issues, mm-hmm. and so what's he doing? He's taking the truth of God. He's taking the truth of the gospel, but he's not leaving it out there in a vacuum. He's not leaving it out there unattached. But because he knows them and knows what's going on, he's saying, "Look, here's this truth, and here's how this truth relates." Here, um, would some people look at that and say, "Are you talking about a bully pulpit?" Yeah, so I'm not talking about like calling people out, stand up, you're terrible, get out of here. What I'm saying is with love and compassion, but yet with boldness to say, look, the Word of God actually does address this thing that we're right in the middle of right now. Yeah. And let's try to understand that and connect that. Yeah, T- Timothy Whitner, Whitmer in his book on, on um, pastoral ministry uh, makes a distinction that I find helpful between sort of macro and micro levels of what he would call feeding the sheep, which is, is I think, his category for this teaching ministry, right? And so macro level would be the big picture whole church level, right? And micro level would be the individual church members. And so a couple of to, call, to follow up on a couple of your points, I mean, some people might listen to this and, and they would get the misimpression that we are saying that the only thing that matters in your pastoral ministry or it matters so much to the neglect of others is when you stand up on Sunday morning or whenever it is, to teach the people. And and what we're trying to make the argument is those other sides of pastoral ministry need to be informing your preaching or teaching, right? Please don't lose your train of thought, but yeah, my argument is those things aren't unrelated or unconnected. They're they're a part of the same ministry. So if you want to know how to bring application to bear on your church, you have to know them. So one of the reasons I find Whitmer's, and and I want to follow up on your bully pulpit comment, because... A, I think it's important, and B, some people actually do that, right? So the macro-micro distinction is, I think a lot of times in your public teaching ministry, uh, he's arguing that the pastor is supposed to feed the church with the Word of God at the at the mi- big levels, you know, speaking to big groups of people, the whole church, and then at the micro level through individual sort of pastoral counseling and things like that, right? So I find that you need to know, yes, the individual members of the church, but you also need to know the church as a whole well enough so that in your public teaching ministry, you're applying things to the whole church more than to specific individuals in the church, right? This is where it tends to go off in the rails, off the rails when you're railing on one guy, right? Or you know somebody has an issue. Don't preach a sermon to deal with that person's issue. Go to them in private and right. deal with that person's issue. But the church is going to struggle with big picture issues. Exactly. So I would say – Get to know the history of the church. Uh, read the church constitution yes. and the bylaws of the church. Look back through the minutes. See the things that they've done in the past. Uh, a lot of churches are going to have church histories that they've kept up with over the years. Read through those. Get to know you know, where the church has been and where the church is now. And as you get to know the church at a big macro level, you will know in your preaching where to bring that application to bear. And I know we need to move on. I think we have a, one other principle that we want to talk about here, and I don't want us to run out of time, but... But just from the standpoint of applying concepts of being a good leader, as it relates to anything, but specifically here as it relates to the revitalization issue from your pulpit, based on what you were just saying, I, I would also add this in there. And I think I think we forget this. There's there's two sides to leadership in general. There's two when when a change needs to happen. There's two sides to it. 
And when a change needs to happen as it relates to discipleship and our preaching ministry, there's two sides to it. And I think sometimes either we have a tendency to completely shy away from one or we just go to the other one. So I think one of the things that we're talking about, and I, when you said this, it made me think about this. So knowing the history of the church and knowing where they've been and where they've come. And here's what I would say to you. To make changes in general, are we going to have to address some negative and bad things? Yes. So in our preaching, if we're in the middle of the need for revitalization or discipleship, are there going to be some corrections that need to happen? Mm -hmm. And is some of that going to be potentially difficult? Yeah. But I think the other side of it is I always have to remind myself, and I think this is true of leadership. It's true of leadership from the pulpit like we're talking about here. This church wouldn't still be here if it did not have a foundation somewhere mm -hmm. that was strong, that had some good to it. There were some good – can I say it this way? There were some good parts of its DNA. And so I think sometimes we do need to correct the wrong, but don't we also need to encourage in the right yeah. and say, look, this is who you've been. Yeah. And so help, let's figure out how to continue to let, – let's bring that from the past and do it now. And what I'm saying is when we're preaching, we understand the correction part. But we do also understand in, in revitalization and discipleship, there's also the encouragement part. Yeah. And we can help them do better discipleship, not in our preaching, not just by correcting the wrong, but by encouraging the right of who they've been and saying, let's continue mm -hmm. to do that because God has honored that. Yeah, in, in some revitalization context, and we're right back to knowing – uh, knowing your church, right? In some revitalization context, you're simply calling them back to what they used to do, but they exactly. stopped doing. And so uh, maybe we can kind of wrap up this section as we move on to one more point w with the analogy we started with, right, of a church that's lost or gained 50 members, right? And so again, this is a simplistic illustration, but maybe it'll drive the point home. As a pastor who begins pastoring a church that had 100 and now has 150, Right, You don't know yet if you need to praise them for their great discipleship efforts or whether or not 50 people got mad at another church and caused a bunch of turmoil and then came and joined here and you don't need to be warning them, <laughs> hey, wait a second, we need to be wary of the problems that are about to come our way. Right. Or the church that lost 50 members because they sent them out to plant a church, do you need to encourage them and say, man, you guys Let's have do done more a great that. job. Let's continue in that. And let's lose another 50 next year or something along those lines, right. right? And so, yeah, again, just knowing your church has to inform your preaching ministry when it comes to revitalization. I think the next topic and the one we'll kind of kind of close out on is is choosing what you preach through. And I, and I think these two topics are related. One of the things – the points you made is that by preaching through books of the Bible, it forces us to preach passages we might not normally preach. All right. So, so now here's the issue. If we take that to its extreme, then you start in Genesis and go through Revelation and just never pick anything, right? I don't think that's necessarily the approach we want to take. We can pick uh, sections of Scripture, books of the Bible, um, blocks within certain books of the Bible that specifically relate to issues that our church is going through. And so as we get to know uh, people, I think we can inform our preaching. Maybe we need to go through part of the book of Acts because we're dealing with a similar issue there. So that would be one other encouragement is maybe to think through, um, even, if, even if you're doing expository preaching or as you would call it, systematic expository preaching, we still have the question of 
what am I systematically, expositorily preaching through? Yeah, exactly. And there, I'll say this. There's been times in my ministry, right, where there's nothing particular standing out in the church you're preaching, any part of God's Word. And we always believe this. Any part of God's Word is edifying and it's because it's God's Word. And so sometimes I'm just going, hey, I just preached something from the New Testament. So, Dr. England, I do do this. I'm going to pick something from the Old Testament just to have balance. And so there's times in my ministry, right, that that happened because there was nothing standing out. But then there's times that I've said, oh, goodness, I think I see the beginning of this. Or, gosh, this has been raised, and I see this here. And I think it goes back to what I said before. The Bible's not written in isolation or in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. There's a purpose and occasion, or there's an occasion and a purpose. And so if you can kind of understand that, and there are there's nothing new under the sun. The attacks of Satan aren't new. The attacks on discipleship aren't new. And so if it happened this way here, maybe it's not a one-to-one comparison, but look what was happening there. Look what's happening here. This is a direct relationship and a direct application. Let's work through this book. And so one of my mentors, Dr. Stephen Smith, he, he loves, he's an expositor and he's a systematic expositor. But what he argues for is he says, look, the best topical preachers are the best, are, are the expository preachers. Mm-hmm. Because he says, after years and years and years of actually dealing with the Bible in context, when something comes up, yeah. you're actually going to know what part of Scripture actually addresses or can be applied yep. to this, and you're going to be able to go to it. So with that in mind, Charlie, I, I say this. In order to do what you're saying, which I fully agree with, what I would say is you've got to know two things. You've got to know your church, and you've got to know the Word, yeah. and you've got to know both of them well. So you can make right applications from very specific places that you're choosing to that issue. And I was just about to make that climactic point, and you just took it right ah, away from me man, there. look so, at that. No, I was literally thinking exactly the same thing, that to, to be a good pastor and a good preacher, you have to know your people and you have to know the Bible. But because you're 100% right, I, I remember early on in my preaching ministry when I wanted to address an issue topically, to put it a little bluntly, I didn't know the Bible well enough, so I'm Googling stuff sometimes to say, even back... You're looking at your concordance in the back of yeah. your Bible. Where does well, this word come? I'm joking. I mean, Obviously, the, the, I'm the joking. The internet was you. around at that point, so if you must know, I wasn't using a concordance. But nevertheless, yeah, you have to know the Scriptures. So if you know your people well enough to say, we're dealing with this problem, say divisions in the church or something along those lines, you need to be able to know what passages of Scripture, really, and not even verses, right, but what bigger passages of Scripture deal with this. So if we're dealing with divisions in the church, maybe I need to go to 1 Corinthians, and and maybe even specifically 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through, you know, the first four chapters or something along those lines. And so, now I think that's a great point to be made to say um, two things. One, you have to know your Bible. And, and I, I remember even as a as a younger guy pastoring and preaching, I'd hear some some really experienced guys doing topical preaching that I thought was very biblical. And I was always wondering this question, why isn't my topical preaching as good as theirs? And it was 100% that issue that at that point in my ministry, I just didn't know the Bible well enough right. to know what passages to bring to bear on this particular issue. And just I kind of bring this to point, the last church I pastored, it was in a environment where Catholicism was uh, – kind of foundational to society, and there was also some uh, spiritualism Mm -hmm. that was a big part of the society, and then there was a kind of a a syncretism of all of that that had come together, and a lot of people that were in my church had come out of those things and still had family Mm. in that, and I'd been there a while, and I realized as a church, we don't have a good grasp of what the Bible is and what the Bible isn't. Now, I understand what Paul was dressing in Galatians is not the same thing, but guess what he's getting to in Galatians? 
what is the nature of the go- of the gospel mm-hmm. and and what is it not and so i preached through galatians and obviously that issue was different but i was still able to say look there is an application for us into understanding this is the gospel mm-hmm. this is how we define the gospel this is what the gospel is and so it was it was it was very much exactly what you're talking about because of after being there, I, I couldn't do that from day one in the church. I was new to that environment as well. I, I didn't I didn't grow up in that environment. So mm-hmm. it took me a while. It took me about twelve to eighteen months to realize this is a real real issue that's going on in the community and this it has affected our church. But then also I had to know the word to know where is a, a part of the Bible that just says this is what the gospel is and these things added to the gospel aren't the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I actually I actually spent some time preaching through Galatians yeah. to just make that connection. Yeah, I remind students all the time that it's easy in pastoring a church. It's easy to forget that pastoring a church means pastoring people, and we're so prone to view it as an institution or an organization or you know whatever terminology you want to use there. And we constantly have to be reminded that we are called to shepherd this group of people. And so I think that's a good way for us to wrap up. I mean, this is, this is a big topic, right? The, how, how do we revitalize a church and what's the role of preaching? But hopefully at least we've offered some helpful thoughts. Yeah, and I'll say this. I really appreciate the question. I, mm-hmm. I really do. And in some ways, what I, I think I want to leave with is I, I want them to hear us say, in some ways, is the revitalization issue as are we saying it's as simple as it's a discipleship issue and the way you address a discipleship issue is with the bible in some ways that is exactly what we're saying Mm -hmm. but i hope through this last 25 30 minutes of discussion they realize but at the same time we're acknowledging but there's more caveats to that there's there's more sides to that so in some ways are we saying just teach and preach the bible yes but are we also saying, but there's a lot that goes into that for yeah. you to rightly revitalize and disciple your people? Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of times when we view revitalization, we think of it as get the programs right, adjust the schedule of the church, you know, go from Sunday school to small groups or whatever the case may be. And really what we're saying is the preaching ministry has to be a huge part of the revitalization effort. The teaching ministry has to be a huge part of that effort. And so how do we do that well? How do we bring it to bear on the church? So I appreciate your thoughts on this and hope it's been uh, helpful to our listeners. We look forward to addressing uh, some other questions that have come up uh, this semester. And so we'll, we'll dive into that next time. Thanks for listening. For more resources on pastoral ministry, visit us at faithfulpastor.com. And to learn more about training to become a pastor, visit us at nobts.edu.